Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brother Cousins podcast. It is March 2023, and we are continuing our series on biblical masculinity. And in this series, in the next two, or in this episode, in the next two, we're going to talk about a man's role in his home as prophet, as priest, and as king. Today, we are going to focus on a man's role as prophet. What that means, kind of a curious thing, if you've ever thought about being a prophet in your own home, men or women, if you thought about the men in your household uh, who are the heads of your houses being in a position of a prophet, will be an interesting study for you. Last week, we talked about biblical masculinity, looking at Jesus as the penultimate man, an example of what manliness means and a few concepts. So if you haven't caught that episode, go ahead and catch episode uh, 069 and uh, check that one out as a good primer for this one. So we are going to talk about Jesus Christ as the prophet here with Jared Wells and Jeffrey Wells, the other two brother cousins. Good to have you guys. So last week was really fun. Enjoyed that. Uh, but shifting gears a little bit, and I want to give a shout out to uh, one of my friends, Toby Tyner, uh, who our, our kids are um, in the same scouting organization. He was talking to me and some of the boys about this idea, and it was just kind of a concept. And after he started talking about it, kind of brought it to my mind and started chewing on it. So we're going to uh, deal with the uh, with the material here. So when we talk about Jesus Christ as a prophet, we look at him as being the ultimate, right? Not only was he prophet, priest, but he was also the king. So he, he encapsulates this archetype perfectly in all three aspects. But today we're going to specifically look at a few examples of him as being a prophet. And when we started thinking about this, the one that came to my mind, this discourse that Jesus is giving, we can find in John chapter 12, starting in verse 49. And Jesus said, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me as himself has given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the father has told me. So Jared and Jeffrey, I get the idea here that that Jesus, as a as a rabbi, right, he did have some measure of authority to speak, and so he had some own personal clout based on his teachings that were true and hard hitting and relatable. But Jesus is really plain here. He says, "Whenever I'm speaking these things, I'm not speaking on my own authority. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm getting this stuff directly from God." And he really relates here with God as being his father, which probably further uh, ticked off uh, his his opponents. But man, just knowing that Jesus spoke with the authority of God is pretty huge here. Yeah, I'm, and I'm going to back us up a little bit. Sure. And I, I think it's important to define some terms because if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have some religious care. You, you care about worshiping God, things of God, and God's word. And when someone says prophet, when you're talking about a prophet or prophecy, and, and even those that are without a lot of care, just maybe listening because, you know, one of the three of us, um, a secular prophet would be Nostradamus. Right. And so when we say prophet, we generally think of someone who is foretelling the future. And what we want to specifically look at with Jesus here and what he says in John 12 is that he is the mouthpiece for God, that he gives his mouth to God. The things that he is speaking are things that he has been given directly. And so you take this example and you, you lay it across the scripture and I'll just be really blunt and direct and say the three of us are in agreement that gifts of prophecy, which when we say that we mean miraculous revelation, which we do see in the New Testament among disciples, men and women, had a time when they would be brought to an end. Right. And we're, we're in one accord with that thought process. There are those that believe it happens today, and I, I enjoy having those conversations with people that do and, and trying to expand our thought processes together and, and work on God's word. But for the three of us, when we talk about this, we don't mean foretelling the future. That's not what we're talking about. 
not that Jesus didn't do that some, but specifically using the, the pattern here from John 12, what he had to say was from God the Father. And he was express about that. And one thing that I have really come to like the phrase, giving truth a voice, mm. because truth doesn't change. It is set always. People may not know the truth. They may not realize the truth. We may not understand the truth of a situation. You know, you always hear there's three sides to every story. This person's that person's in the truth. Right. And that's a really good way to look at things because truth is constant. And so what we want to do in following Christ in the role of prophet is give truth a voice and particularly our voice. And now I've gone back and forgotten what your question was. <laughs> oh, there wasn't a question. I just kind of left it open-ended. But no, I, I think that is. It's important to say what we're not saying. We'll do that a couple of times tonight. But the idea there is that as fathers leading our families in the way of God, we we have authority, but our authority isn't intrinsic necessarily. Now, there are some fathers who their authority is solely based on the fact that they're they're bigger than everybody else in the house and they have control, right? You know, they, they're, they're bigger and stronger and they have control of money or whatever it is. And that's the basis of their authority in the house, which is a pretty terrible way. Um, but we understand that our authority as fathers comes from God himself and that he has called us to be fathers. And so, as Adam was called to be a steward of creation, we are called to be stewards of our families and do that in accordance with the will of God. And that means that it's our job to speak on God's authority. There are times we have discussions in our family of, you know, dad, is this right or is this wrong or how do we know? And I, I rely on the fact that, well, the Bible teach us, right? God's word says that this is the way that we should do things. Or God's word says that we are not allowed to do this and that. And it removes me out of the picture, right? I'm pointing them back to God. And that's what a prophet does. A prophet comes with a message of truth and says, this isn't my message. This is the message from God. Now, as you were saying, Jared, God is not talking to me and telling me what to tell my family. It's my job and responsibility to know and study the scripture so I can know what God has to say on the matter and I can speak competently about it. So Hebrews one, and I love the whole passage here and I'll try to be concise to the point we're getting at here, but verse one says long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So here we have this idea of prophets, mm -hmm. but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things through whom also he created the world he is the radiance of the glory of god the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high and there's there's a lot going on just in these three verses but trying to be real concise to our point here so we have this idea of prophets god spoke via prophets now God spoke via his son and this authority that Jesus had being the son of God. We could look at Philippians two and then unpack some of that, which we've done some before, but he is the son of God, the heir of all things. The exact imprint of his nature holds the universe by the word of his power. Verse let's rewind that now to verse two. Again, God spoke by his son. And so what Jesus did was show us, that it all goes back to the father and what we try to do. And, and specifically as prophets in our homes is we try to be intentional with the rules that we have in the things that we want our children to do and not do. We point back to our authority because our kids look at us and all three of us are dads. And, and we generally kind of felt the same way about our dads. They were Superman. They were the highest authority. Dad had to say, so, you know, you see kids running around today and go, you can't tell me what to do. You're not my dad. But as fathers, we want to 
use that authority the way God gave it to us, which is to point back to him. And we have the example of his son doing that exact same thing, pointing back to him. God spoke through Jesus. God and Jesus speak through me. And so I fill myself up with that word and I overflow that word, but I don't behave as if it's my own. Yeah, that's an important point to make. And, you know, Jared, to that point about how we have, it's our job as stewards of our home to make rules. And we'll talk about more about that when we get into the King episode at the end of the month, but we've got to make these rules. And it's, I've always tried to make it clear to my sons that this is, you know, this is my rule. It's not the word of God, right? My, my will is not equal to God's will, but this is me trying to implement the principle of God's will to the best of my ability in our home. And so I, I try to make it really clear with my kids, this is what God says. Um, and, and this is what I'm going to say. That's the application. And I also try to make it clear that I don't have the right to make a rule in somebody else's home, right? I can only speak for our family. So that's a, that's again, I'm blurring the line a little bit, but it all points back to God. Right. And, and we're still fulfilling that spot as we should, as we look at the divergence of the three roles, we can see that really clearly. Well, in fact, we see it in Jesus's life, but I'm going to go back a little further since we're talking about prophets. It was not the job of prophets in the old Testament to be the King. Right. It was not given to Isaiah or Elijah. Let's, let's go all the way back to Elijah. He was told to go prophesy to the King, not to go be the King and take over the kingdom. Yeah. So we share the truth. We always are looking to give truth a voice but we do it within the authority that we're given. Yeah. And we do see examples in the Old Testament of kings prophesying, Saul, right, uh, David. And we do see examples of God talking to kings directly, such as Solomon and, and others, Hezekiah. I know there's a prophet involved there. So but the standard mode is that God would send a prophet to speak to the king. And yeah, they're, they're different. It's almost like our system of government where we have a, a check on power. Well, and even with David, David prophesied, but David had prophets come deliver messages to him. Right. Nathan, Nathan. was a regular at the, the throne of David. Yeah. Yeah. And prophets were given access to the king. I mean, in, in most situations, there were some situations where they were locked up or persecuted. But generally speaking, a prophet had access to the king. Right. And it was it was their job trying to bring all this back into what we want to cover. It was their job to give their voice to God's truth. Right. No matter the difficulty of the situation, you can imagine and, and you can assume or infer maybe that David and Nathan had a pretty good relationship. But David's now got to go tell King. Sorry, Nathan's now got to go tell King David that your sin is a glaring blot before God and there's punishment coming because of it. That's yeah. not going to be a fun conversation. What I'm going to add to this, I mean, we have examples in the scriptures of prophets rejecting the word that God has given them. You think specifically about prophets like Jonah who directly ran away from the word that God wanted him to give to a people and what ensued after that. But then also you've got other examples where whenever the people demanded a king, God told the prophet, they aren't rejecting you because it wasn't his word. It wasn't his way. He says the people were rejecting me. Yeah. Talking about Samuel there. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, I think there was definitely a um, there was a there was a definite expiration date on the system of judges. I thought for a long time that the invention of having a king at all in Israel was purely an aberration. But the strange thing is you get to Deuteronomy 
in God in Deuteronomy, Moses, you know, is speaking through or God is speaking through Moses and tells the people, when you get to the land and you look around and you appoint a king, here's what you do. And God actually set down stuff in the law of Moses to govern the king. So kind of a fresh look on that. More so, on that later. You know, Jeffrey, that brings up a point I love. And as we're talking about having to give voice to the truth, it, it's a mindset that we should have as fathers. And this, I guess, is a, as good a place as any to introduce this idea and kind of say what we're not talking about and the driver behind all the episodes this month. While we're focusing on fathers, we're not excluding women in the kingdom and their role they play. Others have the ability and have gifts in the kingdom that they need to utilize. But as a father, it is incumbent upon you to be the mouthpiece for God's word in your home. And it should be like a fire within you. Jeffrey, you talked about prophets that didn't want to tell God's word. Jeremiah got to that point. He was sick of the abuse he was taking. His, his name was made a reproach and he was persecuted. In Jeremiah 20, he says, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. Jeremiah got sick of the abuse. He got sick of being persecuted and said, I'm just not going to tell you guys anymore. It's not worth it. I've been preaching at you. I've been telling you what God wants me to tell you. I've been doing what God wants me to do to show you. And you're not listening. I'm not telling you anymore. No more warnings for me. Go listen to somebody else. You just see him throwing his hands up, ruffling his hair. He just, he's had it. And he says, so I tried to stop, but God's word was a fire shut up in my bones. And it wearied me to keep my mouth shut. So as fathers, that's, that should be how we are. We, the truth just spills out of us. And there's a, a lot of practical things you can talk about from there to roll out and kind of how you get to that point. But that's the idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do want to go to that point, Jared, but you're talking about, um, you know, female disciples of Jesus who need, who find themselves maybe in a role where maybe they don't have a husband in the home and they're trying to raise children alone, or maybe women whose husband is not a believer. And so he is not really able to, to step into that role. The guidance we can find in Proverbs 31 verse 26 says that she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue, right? That's definitely a woman's place. And, and I, I have to say that sometimes I have a way that I want to put forth the way I'm feeling about a situation with my kids. And it's not, sometimes it's not very um, wise or gentle or kind, <laughs> And, and sometimes Laura has the ability to come in maybe right ahead of me or maybe behind me and, and put a finer point on it. Um, so there's definitely a, a role for the woman there. And we're also reminded of Timothy's mother and grandmother, uh, Lois and Eunice, how it seems that since Timothy's father was a Greek, he was not really a spiritual influence on him. And so they stood in and and taught him God's word. They, they filled that role uh, in the absence of his father. So that's definitely a thing. I, I appreciate you bringing that up. But to your point, Jared, you were talking about the way that we do that. Uh, talk, talk to me a little bit more about that. So as fathers, we want to get to where we have this mindset that Jeremiah did, that even when we're not feeling it, and that's how we'll kind of frame that because <laughs> We should want to teach God's word, but there are going to be times when it seems like you've just been correcting, correcting, correcting. It's not getting through. Yep. And you want to shut it up within you, but you've got to find that approach and keep working at it to where it wearies you to keep it within because we see the end result. And that is possible damnation of our children, condemnation of our children. And that's what the same result was for Jeremiah's people. They were staring death in the face if they didn't do what God wanted them to do. So as fathers, 
And we're given specific commands throughout the New Testament. Ephesians 6 is one of those. Verse 4 says, Fathers do not provoke children to wrath, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so very practically, we have this mentality of the prophet and that the way we're teaching our children is after God. And the things and rules we have, again, God doesn't have a rule that you clear the table as soon as you're done eating, scrape your plates and put them in the dishwasher. That's not God's rule. That's my rule. Right. But God does want you to tell the truth. God does want you to honor your parents. God does want you to be kind and loving and care about those around you. So those aspects where God's law overlays the way we want our house to be, we want to point to God and say, this is from our father. This authority that is over me wants this for me. And so I'm teaching it to you because he wants it from you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And it can be, it can be difficult, you know, as parents, sometimes we get, we're over it, right? We're like, I'm tired. You know, I'm, I'm not feeling it, but there may be a time when our kids aren't feeling it. Now I don't have any teenagers, Jared, but you do. Uh, and sometimes our kids just don't want to hear it from us. And we can, we can teach God's word and we can speak for him in such a way that's overbearing or at the wrong time or at the wrong, wrong place or in the wrong context. And we can make it difficult for our kids to hear the word of God. And we have the admonition in Colossians three twenty one: fathers don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And I've seen instances where there have been parents who are so um, even though they were well-meaning, godly parents, good people, people who love Jesus, but they were just so overbearing with the way they implemented the word of God in their homes that they their children were so frustrated and discouraged that they left the faith. And that's just a tragedy. And it's our job as fathers to speak the word in such a way as that they can listen and that they can actually be built up by God's word. And there's so much to that idea. Maybe not the least of which is modeling humility to God's word ourselves before our children. You know, I, I have one teenager going on two, and it's been a trip. Yeah. Um, you know, when when Ty turned 13, I, I told Rachel, this is a new stage. We've never raised a teenager before. In fact, I also told Ty, I said, we're, you're our first teenager and he's driving now and that's a new experience. And it kind of unfolded all at one time, which he's been driving for me since he was little around the right. farm and stuff. So he's a decent driver, but Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, his friends usually go eat together and do that. So I've, I've let him drive so he wouldn't have to get a ride home and, I guess it was Monday morning we were going somewhere together and Rachel said, it, it just now hit me. I'm not okay with this. <laughs> like I'm, I'm kind of freaking out now because he got his license Friday. I let him drive some Saturday and then Sunday, both times to church and after. And uh, it just kind of hit Rachel that, you know, I'm, I'm not okay with this. I'm kind of freaking out, but having that approach to where, they don't see me lording over them. I am subject to this law as well, which again, we see from Christ that idea from John 12, this is not from me. What you see in me is from my father. And we should model that for our children, not when they see us, they see God, but when they see us, they see Christ in us mm -hmm. and that humility and that drive to be right in the moment and, and I mean appropriate, not, you know, I've got to be right, but to be appropriate in the moment. Right. And sometimes it means walking away for a minute, letting myself calm down, let the situation kind of ease up. Um, but all of those things, and, and I've got a going on two-year-old that is all kinds of feisty. And, you know, I've got to <laughs> pull her away from situations sometimes and let her calm down. She understands a lot. She doesn't talk a lot, but she understands a lot. 
And so I can pull her away and get her to calm down and, and eat things up. But just like we see Jesus, and, and we talked about, was it last week, that the range he had, he was always driving at truth, but he, he was appropriate in the moment, soft when he could be, and firm and unyielding when he had to be. Yeah, yeah. And to, to that really good point, Jared, Jesus crafted his message and spoke the truth in such a way as to accomplish his goal. Sometimes his, his goal was to instruct and give new knowledge. Sometimes it was to correct and bring about a change in behavior or repentance. Uh, and sometimes it was to show that God was right and that the people who were listening were wrong, you know. Sometimes you just have to say something. Sometimes our kids need to hear, I told you so. And um, Jesus did some of that as well. So there's several concepts, and, and I like fire. Um, I'm, I'm very careful with fire, but I like fire. And there's a saying in our home, when you fight fire with fire, everything burns. Mm -hmm. And so there's a concept where you don't want to burn everything down around you. So you don't want to fight fire with fire, but there's another idea and it comes from old oil wells. When one would catch on fire, the way you put it out is you create a bigger fire that you can control next to it. And then it sucks up all the oxygen. And so you have a controlled fire that is under control, but it sucks the oxygen out to put the other fire out. And we kind of see that in Jesus when it seems like he's on fire, but he's sucking all the oxygen up away from this fire that is out of control, as it were. Jared, I know you're a John Wayne aficionado. Did you ever watch his movie, Hellfighters? Yes, sir. That's, are, that's, are you thinking about that right now? Absolutely. We know each other too well. Yeah, I remember the scene where they put the dynamite on the pole on the, on the bulldozer and try to ram it in there and blow it out. Yep. I remember watching that as a kid and thinking, this is just insane. <laughs> But it's a it's a valid concept. You 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 know, fires have to have certain things to exist. And the point is, you know, getting back to this, being appropriate, but always under control. Giving truth a voice, but making sure you're not out of control. At, you know, just like your children can be on the opposite side of the spectrum. Yeah, I mean, we lose it at our kids all the time. I'm like Jeffrey, he would never do anything like that. Yeah, I definitely didn't do that about an hour ago. I'm sure you didn't. <laughs> Whenever my wife told my daughters not to play in the rain and they chose to play in the rain and they complained the entire way home from church because they were soaking wet. And I just said, this is the natural consequence. And I may have said it a little bit more loudly than that. Sometimes you have to get loud to be heard above the crying. I just, it's a fact. That's why we have big, loud, booming dad voices. So, but I've noticed when I'm around Jared, the big, the big, loud, booming voices. Okay. We're still at code yellow, but when Jared gets really quiet, we're at code black. That's where you don't want to be. So, yeah, I don't raise my voice much unless it is to be heard because it's so loud otherwise. Correct. Um, it's just not not my style and, and not that it's not appropriate. Sometimes it's just not my thing, but as we consider this talking about circumstances and being appropriate in the circumstance, using God's word, utilizing God's word, living God's word, modeling that for our children, we get to a concept about being a prophet in our home that is paramount. Mm -hmm. And while specific times to sit down and really focus on God's word are great because that's how we're going to build a base. We complement that by teaching God's word in the everyday. Yeah. And I'm fortunate that this is something we learned very early with Ty and it just has kind of worked as we've gone with the rest of our children. But this is a concept that is taught very early in scripture. Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 6, says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, 
You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So we see in this even a model of talking about God's word sitting in your house. So there's that. But it's so much more than that because it encompasses everything that you do. There's not a part of your life, if you're trying to be a Christian, that God's word doesn't touch. Yeah. As such, you're intentional as a parent to show your child, I want to do this because this is how I honor God. I want to do this because this honors God. And you roll that out every day as you're driving down the road, as you're having business interactions. You know, one thing that's talked about commonly in in a lot of our groups is if you find cash laying around in a parking lot, what do you do? And the secular way of thinking is if you take it in, let's say you're going through Walmart parking lot and here's a bag of cash. Well, you take it in the customer service desk. It's likely just going home with someone that's behind the service counter. But you have an opportunity to show your children, this is not mine. And what's true is I'm going to take this and maybe the person that lost it will figure out and call Walmart and they'll be able to get it back. But I've done what I can to honor God in this. Right. And and that's just an example. But yeah, what you've done is on you and what they do is on them. But to be honest, in your example, if you find cash anywhere in the panhandle, you need to be looking for a store that's like 20 miles upwind. (laughs) That's right. Just saying. Oh, when I worked at the bank in Amarillo, we handed a lady some cash. She didn't want an envelope. And so we didn't give her an envelope. And it was several hundred dollars worth of cash. And she walked outside and within five minutes came back in crying because it had all blown away. And I think she was able to catch a 20 out of this. And I'm, you know, 22 years old trying to console this middle-aged woman and say, there's nothing I can do. Um, It's just gone. But you say, here's an envelope for next next time. No, no, I did not. (laughs) I I apologize that it happened and and told her how bad I felt for her, but there was nothing I could do. It was rough, rough. but we have this concept of whatever you're doing when you're lying down, when you're rising up, when you're walking in the way and for us, you know, driving down the road. That's ours. Yeah. God's word is sign on your hand, frontlets between your eyes, on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. It is ever before you is the point. That doesn't mean you have to literally wear a headpiece and have scripture on it in front of you all the time. That's not the point. The point is God's word encompasses everything you do. And as parents, we want to be intentional about showing our kids. That's how we live our life every day. Right. And it's really great whenever you see those situations where you're out in public with your kid and they see something or hear something that they know is contrary to what you've taught them. And then they're like, Hey dad, look what that person is doing. You know, they shouldn't like my, my eldest son is pretty quick to point out if he thinks a woman is not dressed decently. (laughs) So, um, and that's an opportunity then now that we've got the, what we've established a concept of what modesty looks like. And then I get to go into the nuance of, well, okay, son, um, according to my standards, perhaps maybe that's not modest. Um, but, but you know, the Bible doesn't spell out exactly what modesty is. Um, and so we have to make some judgments in our home about what, what modesty looks like. And so this, it's an opportunity to provide nuance to a concept. And again, explain that everyone has a little bit different way of implementing what God has said. So those are, those are fun teaching moments to, to go through. And that brings up a really great point that I think this verse informs Hebrews 5. 
Mm-hmm. Hebrews 5, beginning in verse 12, for though this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And that was amazingly difficult because I, the King James just wanted to flow out. I could tell. <laughs> this is a, a verse that we have used and memorized and utilized for years and years. But to our point of what we're talking about, this packs a punch. Yeah. You have need that one teach you. So we have the principle for parents. Kids need to be taught yeah, because they are babes. They are young. And we're really diligent to teach them about, well, mathematics. Rachel was grading math when I came in here to start recording just a minute ago. Um, we're not always diligent to teach them about the things that we don't have on a lesson plan. And I've given the example of tie and the middle bowl in the microwave. It just didn't occur to us to teach that until it had happened. Yeah. The things of God, because it encompasses and informs every part of our life, have to be intentionally taught. They're, and again, he, he lays out basic principles of God's teachings. And you move them from milk to solid food. And we see that the natural example here of our kids they start out drinking milk and you move them into more and more foods and you're cutting the food up for them really tiny pieces because they don't really know how to chew yet you don't want them to choke give them more they can more than they can handle so you control the portions control the sizes control even the food types Mm -hmm. to things they can handle and then you keep moving them up moving them up to the point where now not only can they handle that food but they can prepare that food and they know how to put the ingredients together and and clean up after themselves and and do these things. So here's, there's the the physical example, but we have this applied on the spiritual side. You lay it out very simple, very basic, and you control the portions, you control the sizes, you give them what they can handle and then you, you kind of push them. Yeah. You know, we eat a lot of beef in our home and for our youngest, she, in fact, our three-year-old um, asked her the other day if she was a carnivore and she said, or yeah, carnivore. And she said, what's that? I said, a meat eater. She said, no, I'm a steak eater. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she, I mean, anytime I grill, she, she wants some of my steak and not the burgers I fixed, but it's that process of wanting more. And as we're doing this intentionally, you have your powers of discernment, like your oldest, trained to distinguish good from bad. And, you know, there's a difficulty in a teaching we can start providing to our children that this idea of modesty, intent has to play into it some. There, there are things that are obviously immodest, but the intent has to come into play as well. And that's something we begin to teach. And it lays over into, you know, okay, I'm not showing it to myself, but I'm trying to draw attention to myself, even for young men. Am I dressing in such a way as to draw attention? And, and here we have this teaching because it's something we've taught in real life, now playing over to where we can begin to discern even in ourselves, good from bad. Yeah. And this, this, I, this ability or this skill, and I'll say a skill because it's something that has to be learned and you can get better at it with experience of of laying the truth of god over life in real time takes a body of knowledge behind it and you may be listening to this and you're thinking man i can't do that like i don't i don't know enough to do that but you can right if you will make a good discipline of studying the scripture and ask god for wisdom that's half the battle right there is asking god for wisdom to be able to do that in a way that would please him and honor christ and will will build up your family. Um, there's There are a couple other ways. So we've talked about being able to apply the, the word of God to situations in real life. Prophets did that all in the Old Testament and new. But there's another thing 
that prophets did. They didn't just um, apply God's word to what was going on. They reminded people of what God already said. Second Peter chapter three, verses one and two of the ESV. Peter said, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of a reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. And so sometimes it's just there to, to remind. And, and children will sometimes find that tiresome and they'll say, I know, I know, I know. And I'm like, I know you know, and I'm reminding you because I don't, I need to be reminded of what God says. That's why I study the word. So we're also there to remind, to reinforce. Yeah, and sometimes and, to correct some things that have been understood in error, we see Jesus do that a lot. In fact, the, the specific instance I'm thinking about, he, he just lays out, have you not read? And I love that statement because he, he knows they have, and what he's doing is jarring their minds so that they can then be ready to receive the correct teaching. Mm -hmm. And they have got a hold of something that they've understood in error. And this is, I mean, especially with teenagers, this is something I see a lot. They, they just understand something incorrectly. And so I'm, I'm there to help provide some truth to what they see. And we see that in the prophets that talked about Elijah, his first act was to go prophesy about what was written in the law. You've brought idols in. This is what's going to happen because God said so. And you could know he said so because it's written down in the law. Right. Yeah. And that's what Moses did in Deuteronomy, right? He he gave them a reminder. I mean, the whole book of Deuteronomy is a, a series of speeches from Moses to the children of Israel, reminding them of what God did, reminding them what he's already said, and admonishing them to respond accordingly. You know, as we talk about this, I'm reminded of Peter. You know, Peter was an elder of the church, so obviously he was a husband, he had children, but he was also a leader for God's people. And he said in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, that I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. So as he recognizes that he is getting up in years, he finds it extremely important to remind people of things that they have heard and they know to be true. But he says, I'm going to keep bringing them back before you because whenever I'm gone, I want you to be able to recall these things at a moment's notice. And that's where... I think this really starts to make a difference is because it's one thing to read a scripture or to hear something taught, but whenever you're in the heat of the moment, whenever it's that close to breaking point and you've got to make a decision, Peter wanted people to know mm -hmm. and to be able to act because this was so ingrained in them. And that's what I want for my children. I want it when they are in the heat of the moment to remember these things and that it's just their nature now. And that doesn't happen with in. telling them once. I mean, you got to tell them once, you got to tell them again, you got to tell them again. It has to be the tenor of your family life of these reminders. Add that. Thank you, Jeffrey. That's a great point. I'm going to bring in a sports analogy, and, and it applies to every athletic endeavor you're going to be a part of. But baseball is the one that comes most readily to mind because it's the way you start every practice. You do some stretches, you do some warm-ups, but then you go out in a line and you throw a ball back and forth. And, and yes, you're warming your arm up some, but you could do that by going and getting a weighted bag and throwing it on the ground. 
you're you're playing catch, and that's a basic basic part of playing the game. And all the way up through every level of baseball and softball now, they have athletes hit off of tees. You get a tee out, you put a ball on it, you hit the ball. Put a ball on it, you hit the ball. And it's a basic motion, and t-ball is where kids start. It's the very basic, but you do those basic things over and over and over again until they're muscle memory. Basketball, you, you go out and you dribble, you dribble with your right hand, you dribble with your left hand, you shoot layups. And when you're in the middle of a game, you don't have to think about, okay, I need to set my feet, I need to get my arm back and throw this ball, and how hard do I have to throw it? Because that basic thing has been worked in practice over and over and over again. And so it's, it's just second nature. I don't have – and I hadn't played ball in years, but when my kids started playing ball last year, the team Taryn was on was kind of short. Players that had enough field, and I think they had one extra. So if they had batters and, and runners going during practice, they were short. So I would go play outfield for them. And I didn't have to think about how far I needed to run to catch a ball out of the air or how hard I needed to throw it to get it from where I was to whatever base it needed to go to. Even though I hadn't played in years, it was all still right there. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's the gift we give through repetition and through that constant discipline of living a consistently Christian life is, is that, that gift. So, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, keeping those basics, teaching those basics intentionally, just like, you know, a coach doesn't have to think about what he needs to do to shoot a free throw, but he's intentionally showing his players what they need to do to shoot a free throw. Right. So I know we opened up by saying that, hey, look, um, we don't tell the future. Like, that's not part of our, our role as, as dads is that we, we don't have the gift of prophecy for telling future events. But as dads, we have had enough experiences with life to know when things are about to go sideways. And so another thing I want to mention is that as, as fathers, it's our job to warn about future events um, and offer counsel. And so there, there are a lot of situations you can, you can do this to. Um, Jesus said in Matthew chapter three, verses seven through eight, he said, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And so Jesus was warning them about an imminent danger. And when, with my kids, we, we had, I do this thing with them where I see them start to go down a path and I'll say, Hey, stop for just a second. Use the time machine in your brain. So we run a little simulation, right? As Jeffrey would call it, we, we do a thought experiment, but with our kids, it's a time machine in your brain. So I want you to think ahead about 10 minutes. If you keep running your mouth or if you keep choosing to have a bad attitude or if you keep not doing what I'm telling you to do, what's the result in 10 minutes going to be? What's your future going to look like? And I'm like, I'm going to get in trouble. You know, I'm going to lose my video game time or I'm not going to get to have a snack or, you know, whatever it is. Because children are incredibly short-sighted. Like as a grown-up, I'm really, really short-sighted. Children even more so. And so it's our job as dads, when we see our kids going into a situation that we have seen before and we have a reasonable idea of what's going to happen, that we warn them about stuff. So do you guys have some examples where you had to warn your kids about some trouble in the path? I think that's something I've, I've just done. And of course, you do it in the everyday stuff, especially right. with, you know, you need to, this is where you need to be quiet. Um, this is where you need to, to walk away, whatever the situation is. But I have tried to be really intentional with my kids as they've gotten older about what they can expect. Okay. You're, you're growing older. It's different for, for both of us now. I have to treat you differently because you need to learn to be responsible and that your, your actions have different consequences. Start taking some responsibility for yourself. I'm not going to babysit and micromanage every decision you make. And these are the changes that are coming with that teaching. There is the, again, like, like Elijah did with his first, first act. This is what God's word says. 
if you go this way, this is what's going to happen. Um, with Ty, I remember, and, and I guess maybe this is a little personal, but it would be an encouragement I would give to lots of dads for kids both ages or both genders. As he was becoming a teenager and starting to hit puberty and mature, I told him, you're, you're changing. And you're not even going to understand that you're changing. You're going to be upset without knowing why you're upset. You're going to get angry quicker and want to challenge everything. And just know that I know this is how you're going to be and laid it all out in front of him from the get go. So that, and I told him there are going to be times when I'm going to have to be really hard on you. We've, we've always had a really good relationship, Mm -hmm. but let him know up front that there's going to be some difficult times. There's going to be some really good times. There's going to be times when the responsibility you're going to have to have is going to stink, but it's all part of going through this process and it gets better and, and I will help you get through it. That's really helpful. Um, and so that's, that's like bigger stuff and there's smaller stuff, but it's our job as dads to do that in a lot of different contexts. So that could be, Hey, we're going somewhere. Here's how you need to behave or, uh, you're going to go through these changes and this is what you can expect. But I think also it's our job as dads to warn our children of, of spiritual danger. Proverbs 22 and three says the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. And if we can just look down the path when our kids don't have the sight to do that and give them wisdom, then they don't have to be simple and suffer. And I know that there's a balance, Jared, you talked about not micromanaging, and we've got to allow children to find out some things on their own, but it's our job to be their trail guide and say, right. look, here's, here's the path. You're going to, you know, th- there be dragons, right? But I want you to be ready. Yep. And, and, and helping our kids, like we give our kids the gift of readiness and we set them out and then they go. And whether they fail or succeed in that errand, um, they're still better for it because they saw us prepare them. And then maybe next time they'll be more open to the preparation. But I think it's building that rapport that we've got to do. So I just look at, you know, there, there are things that I wish my dad taught me that he didn't. And my dad has also expressed that regret of, you know, I should have taught you this more. I should have spent more time doing this better. Uh, and, and we're, we're good with that. Right. Like we've made peace with that, but well, I like you to want to be very intentional about that. I have the advantage of number one, being a very observant naturally. Mm-hmm. And so I have been watching parents with kids five years, 10 years older than mine and trying to learn what works and what doesn't. And then on top of that, having some very good people around me that have kids in that range that are willing to be open and say, this is what worked. This is what didn't, this is what I didn't do or did do and so on. But one of the things I I didn't want, I, there was a group of dads one time and, and you see this fairly regularly all over the place. People talking about how ignorant young people are. You know, young people are just dumb. Young people are just dumb. And that has made me step back and go, but why are they dumb? And what do we expect them to know? In our industry, safety is key. It's, it's, I go to three trainings a year that are focused around safety and then go to four or five others that are about OSHA and all the standards that we have to keep because you can die in our industry fairly easily. And so, what I hear all the time from all of our safety guys is you cannot assume people know it's common sense to you because you've lived this life. It's not common sense to someone who walks in off the street. And again, the, the microwave metal bowl story comes <laughs> in, but you have to teach these things and you have to lay it out. Now I cannot go show a guy what's going to happen if he decides to stick his hand into a lint cleaner because I will lose mine in doing that. But I can tell him, this is the standard. Our rules are, it has to be shut down 
all the power off, not spinning and locked out. The energy source physically has a lock mm-hmm. on, and so it's it's locked out. And that's the way we're going to do this every time. Now, if he decides one day when he's in there ginning and I'm not standing nearby that there's a, a choke here and I can get it out real quick and decides to stick his hand in, that's what he's going to do because I can't be there every minute to make sure he doesn't. But I have provided everything that I can do to show him this is how this has to go. Well, it's a big job, and it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But right. it is a huge responsibility to be the one at the judgment day that God is going to look at and say, was, was my word present in your home? To what extent? Why or why not? But to your point about Jeremiah, Jared, it, it's, it's actually a joy. It's very empowering. And I would say, you know, to encourage any dad out there or a young man who's thinking about being a dad at some point in the future, it's a privilege to be able to serve in the office of a prophet in your home and to know that God has entrusted you with that holy work and to do it with skill and to watch the blessings that flow into your home whenever it's a home whose, whose rules, whose heart, and whose activity honors Christ. It's just a blessing beyond measure. So that's a way I want to encourage all of you to be open to, as Jared said in the beginning, allow God to use your mouth as his mouthpiece to speak life to your families. And, you know, a bit of encouragement in this. I've talked about my wins a lot. It feels like in this episode, Mm -hmm. they're not all wins. Um, I'm by no means a perfect dad and, and, by a lot of measures, Ty has been an experimental kid. Now every kid's different, but you kind of learn some things that do and don't work and so forth, but encourage dads to live in the word. It has got to be, as we talked about from Deuteronomy, if you're going to teach it, it's got to be in front of you all the time. And so as you prep to be the prophet in your home, the way you do that, just like the prophets of old did, they were filled with God's word be filled with God's word. Amen. All right. Well, guys, this has been a really good discussion, a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to digging in next week to exploring the role of Jesus Christ as priest. So there's a lot of great analogies that we can draw from uh, to see that. So looking forward to that. Hope you can catch that episode, everyone out there listening. We hope this has been a blessing to you. We hope that God's word has encouraged and built you up. And hopefully we've had a few things to offer that will be of a benefit and a blessing to you. So uh, we are going to wrap up, catch us next week. And I believe Jared is going to pray us out today. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word that you have given us and and for your son that is the, the embodiment of that word, the example of what it is to be your mouthpiece, to let him, to let you rather speak through him. Father, we pray that you would help those of us as fathers and as mothers, as parents raising children, as friends to those around us, that we would fill our lives up with your word and that we would give truth a voice, that we would yearn to show the world the truth of living within your authority, that you would be king over all of our lives and be the final authority and final say for all of us. Father, we know that we fall short and that we're human. We pray that you would help us to be honest with those things, that we would show the world around us what repentance looks like and what a desire to live for you and in you looks like. In regard to that, Father, we thank you for your son and the blessing that he has given humanity to be remade in his image to have all of our sins wiped away in him and to be remade as image bearers of God. Father, we pray that you would help us to be intentional in our teaching and that we would be devoted to your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.